Welcome in, everybody, to the Westside Sports Podcast. I hope everybody is having a fantastic day. It is November 2nd, 2022. Uh, this is going to be a solid, long podcast today. Uh, probably going to be around 25-plus minutes today. Welcome in. My name is Dakota Ezra. I am your host, as always. Hope you guys are having a fantastic day, a good start to your week. We're almost halfway through. For those who are in the Pacific Northwest, we got some snow that showed up today. We have plenty to get into today. With that being said, if you guys haven't already, if you enjoy this podcast, the content, and overall topics I bring to you on a week-to-week basis, please subscribe and leave a rating. With that being said, let's hop straight into it, shall we? Today's podcast, gotta start out with Around the World. It's gonna be a lengthy one. I got a couple breakdowns from the NFL trade deadline that it was. We had the World Series, a couple other things. And speaking of the World Series, what a game, Philly. Let's just... That was fantastic baseball. It was. We call that lights out baseball for the, for the nation. For everybody besides who lives in Houston, Texas, this was a beautiful thing. If you're an Astros fan, sorry, not sorry. But I'm going to tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, the Philadelphia Phillies are legit. They're real. They're mad. And they're, and they're trying to make a statement. You know, I look at this team and uh, a lot of people, uh, excuse me, I'm not going to try and give a huge shout out or a huge, you know, uh, you know, jab here. But I hear people on uh, Seattle Sports Station, one person who works at 7 o'clock in the morning who isn't six foot five tall, blonde, and beautiful, as most people, most people call him. Um, you'll, you'll probably know who I'm talking about. Speak about how the Phillies weren't that great of a team, and it's make, kind of taken away from the uh, the demographic and the love of baseball. That is, I, I one wholeheartedly 1,000% disagree with this statement. Um, I'm just going to say, Mike Salk, uh, probably you should stay off of this conversation. You just literally admitted to all your Seattle listeners and listeners around the world and nationwide that you've been rooting for the Houston Trash Rose in this series. You should be ashamed of yourself for rooting for this team. Don't get me wrong, I enjoy Jeremy Pena because he's a young, unsung player who's having a great postseason. But that is it. That is it. I don't like Jordan. I don't like Jose Altuve. I don't like, you know, Justin or uh, Kyle Tucker. I almost said Justin Tucker. Um, Lance McCullers, this whole squad, right? I mean, I got respect for, for Justin Verlander because he's like a fine Cabernet Sauvignon and he ages like beautiful red wine. But let's give some serious credit where credit is due, ladies and gentlemen. This Phillies team is dangerous. And they're making it known. It was a bomb party fiesta. Dangers! Everywhere in that ballpark yesterday. I loved it all. Schwarber, excuse me, home runs by Harper, Bohm, Marsh, Hoskins, and Schwarber. Schwarber is some ungodly strong for his size. I, I thought that was a flyout. And then I saw the bat flip at home plate. It was a little swag. I'm like, oh, that ball's crushed and gone. It was a great sensational pitching performance. It was perfect baseball. And all metrics of the of the, of the meeting itself. Um, I, for a long time, have been trying to find a second team besides for the Mariners to, to root for. I'm not going to lie. For a long time, I was a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Prime Albert Pujols. I loved Matt Holliday. He's one of my favorite players. Still is to this very day. Just a good, wholehearted leader of men who didn't do anything bad. Didn't you know out you know outlash or lash out? Excuse me, <clears throat> with certain things. But the fact is true that baseball is the most unpredictable sport in all of professional sporting lands or venues possible. Baseball is beautiful. This is why the World Series is such a coveted, beautiful thing. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little disappointed there. There's no there's no uh, Joe Buck in this. I am. I'm not trying to say. I'm not trying to take anything away from Joe Davis and uh, Jeff Frank Francoeur, who've been doing a pretty dang good good job. Joe Davis is doing. I really enjoy him. I I think the tandem of him and Joe Buck would be really interesting. But Joe Buck's got way too much clout behind him, and there's no way that he would take second fiddle as far as commentary roles. They're doing a great job. Um, I will check to see here in tomorrow's podcast when the next game is. I apologize for that. I did this podcast prep last night after the ball game. But uh, congrats to Philly, to Philly's fans. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a couple sandwiches made uh, after Bryce Harper and the, in the postseason of uh, Kyle Schwarber, Reese Hoskins, uh, Brandon Marsh had a really, really uh, great game. And uh, it's just a feel-good story. It really is. And I got to give a lot, a lot of love, a lot of props, and a lot of respect to that Philadelphia team. They go out. They get Nick, Nick Castellanos in free agency. Um, Bryson Stock got brought up at the right time. He was willing to sacrifice going from uh, shortstop to, to second base because of Gene as, as shortstop. This team is incredibly deep. They play for each other. They're not loud. They're not, you know, you know, a bravado kind of like team. They do exactly what they what they preach and what they show to everybody else in the world. The Philadelphia Phillies play Philly baseball. And I got to give a lot of love to that head coach. I know I'm saying a lot of love today. But Philadelphia is playing some inspired baseball, and I'm proud to see it. 
NFL trade deadline yesterday was bonkers. A lot busier than any of us anticipated for. Um, between the tweets from Schefter and uh, Ian Rappaport, obviously Schefter takes uh, you know press events on this. He anticipated a slow day. That was anything but true or even close to it. Um, started off the day with TJ Hawkinson going to the Vikings, and then you saw Bradley Chubb going to Miami as well as Jeff Wilson. One of the draft picks they traded for Bradley Chubb was, was one of the first-round draft picks they acquired when the Miami Dolphins traded the pick to San Francisco to get Trey Lance. <clears throat> Calvin Ridley to Jacksonville. It's going to be a very interesting thing to see how that ends up playing out. The details of that contract are much more uh, complicated than most of the other trades based on the fact that Calvin Ridley is an incredibly talented wide receiver who has not played obviously due to his betting, uh, the suspension for his betting, which is funny because he was actually betting on the Jacksonville game that caused him to get uh, canned, you know, for bare lack of a statement. But overall, uh, busy day in general. Naeem Hines going to Buffalo. Chase Claypool goes to the Bears. I'm going to touch on here that on in a minute. I think there's a little more depth to that. And then Chase Edmonds running back. I know I talked on two Edmonds today. Uh, Chase Edmonds is going to Denver. This is something I was just talking about a second ago about uh, Chase Claypool going to the Chicago Bears. The Bears, right? Aaron Rodgers, after I've talked that nauseum about that man and his complaining about how, oh, I don't get wide receivers and the Packers haven't drafted a wide receiver in the first round in the entirety of Aaron Rodgers' career, yada, yada, yada. The Chicago Bears have Dar- Darnell Mooney, uh, Nikhil Harry, I do believe, and then that was pretty much it. They didn't have anything else at wide receiver. I think they have like a couple small guys, but nothing of big stature. Chase Claypool is going to be a beautiful fit there. Ju- uh, now Justin Fields has a true number one. M- Mooney is a typical number two. Uh, I mean, he's not typical. I mean, I would say typical too. He could be a high, t- uh, high-end uh, upside flex inside the slot as far as fantasy owners are uh, concerned. But <clears throat> that uh, the Bears are making a flat-out statement that they feel that they're in better position and a better team than, than the Green Bay Packers. And I don't want to keep talking about this because I talked about this last podcast and or the last few. Um, but this is a relevant con- conversation, ladies and gentlemen. Aaron Rodgers got paid the most money in the history of football per AAV, average salary per per year. They are doing nothing. They are going catapulting straight down the proverbial corkscrew. If I'm Aaron Jones, I want out. I'm not being a part of this team. And if, quite frankly, if I'm management, if I'm management, and this is a really bold statement, and I highly doubt this is a less than 1% chance that this happens unless Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, I'm starting Jordan Love next week. Give Jordan Love more reps in practice. Make a statement to Aaron Rodgers that you don't own this team. You don't own this franchise. You don't own this fan base anymore. You used to when you played great, and then you decided to be a you-know-what and CYA. And you know what I'm saying without saying it. But it's embarrassing. I feel genuinely bad for, for Packers fans because the days of Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, um... Prime Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, those days are gone. Wiped away, flushed down the toilet, whatever you want to call it, right? But this is a fact. Green Bay's going down. Justin Fields and the Bears are figuring out a dynamic offense with him running the ball. Yes, he needs to get better with throwing it, but Justin Fields is showing a lot of upside, and the reason why they drafted him as high as they did. I've always liked Justin Fields coming out of college, especially when he was drafted. I thought the Bears made the right pick. They finally showed some conviction, um, showing that we need a quarterback, and we're not going to sit around waiting for a traditional white quarterback. We're going to go get the one that we want, regardless of what it is, because the Bears haven't had a black quarterback, and I don't even know. I don't think they've ever had one. Jay Cutler, uh, Rex Grossman, the whole list, the list goes on and on and on, right? But the fact, again, that Green Bay sits there with Romeo Dobbs, Sammy Watkins. Um, I know that Ra- Randall Cobb is now like 32, 33 years old. He's got an ankle problem. They're beaten, banged up. There's apparently slight mutiny within the, the locker room. I'm seeing that via through uh, through the, the uh, Twitter ch- channels. This is a frustrating time for the Green Bay Packers nation. And it's time that all of the owners, the partial owners, I'm calling them partial owners, they are the fans, right? They own a partial stake of this team. Make a statement. D- like, I know, like, you know, showing up for Green Bay Packers games is like a traditional thing. And I apologize for keep, you know, ranting on this. But this is an important topic here. I'm going to finish it up right here for, for you guys. Plain and simple, okay? Green Bay has a decision that will change the course of the next five years for this franchise. Do you cut Aaron Rodgers? Do you bench Aaron Rodgers and make a statement to your fan club, to your fans, that they deserve better? Or do you just stand pat and say, okay, Aaron, yeah, you do own us. You do control everything. You are the, the the grand master, you know, the Albus Dumbledore, right? I'm in the Harry Potter phase right now. But I feel bad. And I guess we'll see TBD what happens with that. 
having some cough fits today. I have no idea what's going on. No, I'm not sick or nothing. I just got some. Just got done eating some spinach breakfast, and it was fantastic. And yeah, I know I ate, it's a late breakfast. Nets plan to hire Ime Udoka as their new head coach after they released Steve Nash yesterday after just eight games. Uh, speculation came out that this was a uh, little bit of a rift between him and management and how they want to play basketball. The Nets are a hot mess. Um, I'm not going to get into the whole Kyrie Irving anti-Semitism uh, things. It's a dumpster fire of a conversation right now. And to be honest, I don't know enough about that conversation to have it. And when I, the only things I cover on here is when I do my, my research, because I'm not going to be one, one of those guys that's a you-know-what and uh, just says and spits a bunch of fire, even though some people like the fire. It's not, what, it's not what I do here. If I talk about things, I do my research, I do my time, and I figure out what I, how I feel, why I feel this way, and what the, you know, the future implications of it are. So want to get that right out of the way quickly. Top NFL draft prospect Nolan Jones is a defensive edge rusher out of the University of Georgia. Unfortunately, tore his pectoral muscle this last weekend in the game versus the Florida Gators. The timeline for his return to getting ready for the NFL draft is, quote, fluid. This is a big topic. He was arguably one of the top five draft pick prospects going back to last season, including this year in general. Uh, Jalen Carter's been getting a lot of love. Obviously, CCJ Stroud, Bryce Young, but he's in that conversation. Be curious as how this pectoral injury affects him and how quickly he's going to be able to get back for the draft process and for the... Uh, Underwear combine, as I like to call it, in the NFL draft. Congratulations to the man, the machine, the legend, Mr. Cardinal, Albert Pujols. For his, he has officially retired. He filed his paperwork yesterday. What a legend on and off the diamond for the St. Louis Cardinals. The Angels should be blessed that they even had a, a person with that kind of greatness going into, their, into that, or, excuse me, that organization. Um, I can't say enough about Albert Pujols and the imprint that he has left on Major League Baseball. The fans, generations of kids, I mean, my age, uh, 30 kids before me, people you know older than me. If you have watched baseball or known anything about baseball for the last 10 years, you know who Albert Pujols is. It's like the Miguel Cabrera effect, right? A young guy who is incredibly talented, sticks to his craft, trusts his guns, trusts his, his process. Albert Pujols, you are a legend. You are a true man, a mentor to so many people. And I mean, just, I mean, as a Mariners fan, I am so grateful that you taught so many great other young players like the Julio Rodriguez, Fernando Tatis Jr., Ronald Acuna, Juan Soto's, how to be pros. And I know that obviously Tatis is going to be going through some stuff, but we're going to leave that there as it is. Albert Pujols, thank you for everything that you've done for Major League Baseball. Thank you for everything that you've done to teach this next gen generation of ballplayers to be respectable, honorable men who are not focused upon their off-field image or on-the-field image as much as they are off the field. And, uh, Cooperstown awaits you, and your arrival and your jersey and your plaque will, will, will be ready the moment you are eligible to, to, to be inducted because you are one of the greatest players to have ever played the game of, of baseball. Okay, uh, that is Around the World for today. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit longer, about 11 minutes today on Around the World. I have a Mariners positional spotlight today. We're going to continue the infield, uh, going around the infield diamond. We did Ty France yesterday. Last week was Adam Frazier. Today is our, and then also we did J.P. Crawford as well. Please check those out in previous podcasts if you haven't already. Great conversation, stats, breakdowns, and how it implies for the upcoming free agency uh, time for the Seattle Mariners. But today's spotlight is one man. One man that when he came to Seattle, nobody had any idea what we, what we were getting, but we quickly realized it. His name is A. Eugenio Suarez. Good vibes only. It's so simple. A. Eugenio Suarez came, obviously, via the trade that included Jesse Winker. He was essentially, A. Eugenio Suarez was essentially the toss-in, the money toss-in in that deal. He had three years left on, on his contract. Cincinnati did not want to pay him anymore. His defense was down. He was having some uh, health injury issues, but they were also playing him at shortstop because it was a hot mess trying to figure out what they were doing in Cincinnati. That's still TBD. A. Eugenio Suarez has two years left on his contract after the after this last year. He has left, he has uh, allocated $22 million for those next two years, averaging obviously 11 to AAV on his contract. What a steal of a deal for Jerry and his crew. 
Eugenio Suarez has become a city favorite. He's become a man of the people. He's become a locker room stalwart. I'm going to use that term a couple times today. He came in following a year after Kyle Seager was uh, awarded and took third base and officially signed off for his career. Third base was a gaping black hole where nobody, where we were having conversations whether or not Abraham Toro was ready to play third base. And I'm not trying to slander Abraham Toro, but he was awful this year. We'll be covering the uh, multiple disappointing players in the, in the remainder of this podcast going on at the end of the week. Just want to give you guys a heads up on that. But just again, a true stalwart, a locker room presence, foundational piece. So many young guys reference him for experience and for the constant good vibes. Suarez is known for always keeping his chin up, always being positive. The fans love Suarez. He played, his defense was well above league average this year. He had a 4.0 war wins above replacement, ladies and gentlemen. He was better than Matt Chapman. And we were all saying, I was saying in the last offseason, I want Matt Chapman. But he went for a, you know, a, a ransom amount of money in draft picks for, for, for Chapman. Jerry got a steal of a deal in Suarez. He posted a 236 average, 31 dingers, 87 ribbies, 791 OPS is absolutely fantastic. He had a huge bounce back year. And here's the funny thing, kind of an interesting little side note. His career batting average is 250, ladies and gentlemen. So he's still had a down year by his, by his uh, normal metrics. His defense was way up. Perry Hill did some wonders with him, getting his feet set a little bit better than what it was last year. And it made huge dividends for him this season. And what was supposed to be from the outside, a toss-in and a piece of, of the trade via Jesse Winker. Suarez now finds himself as the leader of this team. Uh, Scott and Jerry addressed him in the locker room before the celebration starts. He is the motor that runs this team. It's not Crawford. I'm not trying to slander anybody. It's not Marco. It's not, it is A. Eugenio Suarez's baseball team. He's the one who constantly, and that, that's, uh, Scott and Jerry constantly reference every time they have an ability to do so, is to give love for Cal Raleigh and A. Eugenio Suarez for being true leaders in this team. And it's a beautiful thing for years to come. Well done, Jer Bear. Okay, so that's going to be Seattle's thing. Uh, that's going to be the, the spotlight. There's not really more uh, implications, obviously, as far as free agency goes. We're locked up as far as for the next two years. So we won't be having a conversation as far as what free agency or trades might happen. But we will get into the rest of the infield uh, between Toro um, and a couple other small guys that chipped in along, along the way. But that's going to be for a different podcast on a different day. We'll probably finish it up at the end of this week. Seahawks, I got a couple things I want to uh, hop into, and then we're going to hop out for the day. Geno Smith, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you who are not watching football right now, which I respect because it's been a bad year for, for the NFL, Geno Smith needs to be in the MVP conversation. And if somebody wants to like go back and forth with me on this or have a conversation, I'm challenging my listeners to find me on Twitter, capital P-N-W Professor. You can find me on there. My face is hidden away with the mask. The picture is, is during peak COVID um, or just right after peak COVID. So you actually can't like see my actual full face. But I'm challenging my listeners. Every single person that listens to this or any person that listens to this that has a Twitter handle, please reach out to me and have a conversation. Send me some 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 topics. I asked you guys a couple days ago uh, during the Halloween podcast that I was I wanted to hear five people reach out to me and give me some kind of topics, suggestions, uh, comments, anything. I got zero, zero from you guys. And I'm not trying to know. Everybody's busy, right? I got We all got crap to do. I get it. But all I'm asking for is for some people to say, hey, can we talk more Kraken? Can we talk more Seahawks? Can we give more uh, Mariners conversation? What about international draft class? Can we talk uh, anything, right? Hell, I even talk more about NBA. I don't give a you-know-what about the NBA, right? But if you want to have that conversation, I need to hear from you guys. So please do. I'm not trying to call you guys out. Slightly, not hard. But please just reach out to me. Um, if you're a part of my sports group on Facebook, Sports in the Northwest, as a Teal Mariners insignia, please just post on there. Say, Hey, this is what I want to talk about. I pre either you like the podcast, you like the overall flow, the topics. If you do, if you don't, please let me know because I don't know what you guys want to hear unless I hear from you guys. So that's all I want to say on that. Back to Geno Smith. Excuse me. I want to just get that out of the way real quick. 1,924 yards, 13 touchdowns, three picks for Geno Smith. QB rating of 107.2. When the season started, nobody thought Geno was, was going to be here. We've heard this at nauseum. Brock and Salk. Jake, uh, I almost said Jake and Stacey. Bump and Stacey. Um, Wyman and Bob, right? Every single person. Jason Churchill. Uh, Albert Breer, uh, Joe Fan, all these guys, right? Love them all. That nobody thought this was coming. 
So it's time for this, uh, is this a fluke conversation to go wayside, right? It needs to be flushed on the proverbial toilet, right? I'm talking about flushing stuff down toilets today. It just, I'm in that mood today. Anyways, this is what needs to happen. Geno Smith, you're balling. I want you on ESPN. And even Stephen A. Smith, who doesn't even hardly ever backtrack off anything. And I used to be a Stephen A. Smith fan. That's a different conversation for a, for a different day. He even admitted, I'm wrong. Dan Orlovsky's like, I saw him, sp- you know, spinning the spiral off that football in, in preseason when they came out to watch that Bears training game. Or spring, uh, I almost said spring training game, preseason, excuse me. Geno Smith, you are a leader of men on this team. You're a, a, again, a stalwart in the locker room. You're a concrete foundational piece that could change everything for the upcoming offseason for, for this franchise. A lot of people are saying, still draft quarterback, still draft quarterback. I agree, I disagree. Because It's kind of hard. A part of me says, yeah, you still need to have the, the, the future QB because Drew Locke sure as hell ain't it. And you say, well, how do you know? Because Drew Locke isn't playing. Drew Locke isn't playing because Geno Smith is balling, right? Drew, Drew Locke, he could be a decent player. But do you know who he, who he reminds me of? A lesser talented version of Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason, probably the same arm talent. Pretty close. Drew Locke, eh, he can kind of run. But he doesn't really seem like, he's, I don't see him, you know, pumping his fist, being a huge locker room presence or on, on the field or on, on the sideline. You know, I'm not trying to hate on, on the poor Drew Locke because he hasn't got an opportunity. But he's not got an opportunity because Geno Smith's playing at MVP level. The conversation at the beginning of this year, ladies and gentlemen, was how long do we let Geno Smith play before we truly evaluate Drew Locke? Because Pete Carroll was praising Drew. Oh, he's going to get a new chance, second opportunity, la, 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 right? He's not done any of it because Geno Smith has taken the opportunity, seized it, and is playing lights out football. And I gotta, we have to give love. And the conversation about, well, now do, what do you do with the first two draft picks? Right now, if somebody were to like look at me and say, hey, man, I want your honest, unfiltered opinion. What do you do with the first two draft picks for Seattle, first round? You know what I'm saying? Defensive line. I want defensive line, or I want a defensive line, and I want a linebacker, an outside linebacker. I want, I liked uh, Devin Lloyd, I believe it was last year, out of Utah. I thought the duo was a beast. I'll be honest. I haven't heard a peep out of him this year. Um, there's plenty of edge rushers coming out in this draft. I'll obviously, obviously, as we get closer towards the NFL draft, I'm going to be doing an extensive amount of draft research, giving you guys draft profiles, comparing them to players in current times. So we kind of have an understanding of what we could possibly expect, but that's way down the road. But the conversation of whether or not Seattle should be drafting a QB is still TBD. The season is still young. We're about almost halfway through it. Um, and, uh... As a Seattle Seahawks fan, it feels pretty dang good to be watching a, a football team that gets up to the, the line of scrimmage with 20 seconds left on, on the on the play clock consistently. We're able to make a line adjustments. I got to give, again, when we're talking about line adjustments, this offensive line is playing inspired football. Austin Blythe goes down, first drive in that football game. Kyle Fuller steps in. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to keep it a buck with you guys, keeping it real, that I panicked. Because I was like, oh, man, last time I watched Kyle Fuller, he was bad. It was hideous. Russell was getting shots. Kyle Fuller stepped in and played really solid football. And I don't know if that means it's Andy, Andy Dickerson. I don't know if it's the offensive line scheme that they're running. But I can, I can tell you this much. Right, the offensive line and the, and the rookie tackles between Abe Lucas and Charles Cross are now bona fide, becoming bona fide, solid tackles. Abe Lucas, he's becoming elite on the right side. Last game, 41 snaps, no pressures as a rookie. And he's had plenty of experience with Cameron Jordan. Bradley Chubb, um, you know, that the list goes on. I don't have, you know, every single pass rusher he's went against this year. Mark Marcus Davenport. These guys have went in against tough competition, and they've come out with glowing reviews. I got to give a lot of love, a shout-out. Pete Carroll, John Snyder, well done. Well done for an absolutely beautiful draft. Beautiful draft. This is the best draft, I think, in the history of the Seattle Seahawks. Better than Bobby and Russ. That's a, that's a very debatable conversation. I'm trying to provoke you guys to see what you guys are going to come at me with. But the thing I also want to talk about this offensive line real quick before we hop into the next Hawk thing is the fact that the pockets have been so clean and free, and this is a pivotal part of the success for Geno Smith, right? I was kind of talking about Geno Smith, the MVP conversation. This offensive line is giving him all the time in the world, or, or better yet, how long he needs to read the defense and make the correct play. He's being They're giving him efficient time. He has hardly any, you know, pocket rushing presence at all. He has a beautiful clean pocket. He's making correct reads. The Seahawks are playing phenomenal, smart, foundational football. It's what you want to see, especially when we're going in, into this game against the Arizona Cardinals, who just got DeAndre Hopkins back. The Hawks, unfortunately, or I guess in a sense, unfortunately for some people, stayed quiet on the trade deadline day. Defensive back Ryan Neal, uh, defensive back Ryan Neal, um, 
Kind of been hearing some things about him being a little banged up. That's about as far as it goes on injury fronts. Sidney Jones was not able to be traded yesterday, so they were able to, uh, they did uh, release him so he could seek more playing time across the league. Uh, reports that I've heard is that Baltimore is still intrigued and interested in him. Be curious whether or not he gets a job out there because he has a valuable, good corner. It's just that we got so many good players out here. Rookie DBs in Shreek Wollen and Kobe Bryant. Michael Jackson's the hammer. He's earned his playing spot. Trey Brown is on his way back from playing from that Achilles tear. I believe he had, uh, was either Achilles tear or the patellar tendon. I apologize. I don't remember that off the top of my head. But uh, this week will be very interesting to see how far uh, Trey Brown can come back, especially with the fact that he got released or uh, cleared from IR to, uh, last week. So he's, I believe, nine days into the IR opening window. He has not been officially on the 53-man roster. So I'll keep my ear down to the ground for you guys on that. Uh, next podcast, we'll have more updates for injuries, seeing how we're looking. I haven't uh, seen yet today what's been offered and uh, what's been updated, excuse me. But once I have that for you guys, I will have it up for you guys tomorrow. I'm hoping it comes out tomorrow, but it's kind of a TBD wait and see. It usually comes out sometime today or tomorrow. It just kind of depends upon uh, how that timeline breaks down. Couple in, uh, a couple of things about the Kraken last night. They got the win 5-4 to four over Calgary. Goals by Matty Beneers, Morgan Geeky. Uh, Yanni Gord and Daniel Sprong. Oliver Bjorkstrand had two assists. Kraken are playing really good hockey right now. I'm trying to get into them more. This is the first time I've covered the Kraken on here. I know that they're on my insignia. Some people have reached out to me in the past and said, hey, you have Kraken on here on, on your logo. Are you going to talk more hockey? I am. I know Jack Daly's squad about hockey. I got to learn. Um, and shout out to John Forsland and his uh, partner. They've been doing an absolutely amazing job of teaching guys uh, the ins and outs of hockey so we kind of get a better understanding of what the heck we're looking at. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be today's podcast. Uh, Wazoo and UW are going to be coming up on important weeks this week. I'll be covering the upcoming preview for those games on Friday for those who are interested in wanting an update on that. Thank you guys so much again, like I always say, for taking the time out of your busy Tuesday day. Hope you guys have a wonderful, positive, fantastic day. See us rise. Go Hawks. Go Kooks. Go Kraken. Go Huskies. I'll catch you guys tomorrow. Peace.